We'd like to welcome you all here on this second Sunday of Advent as we come together to worship our God and Savior. Please stand and join us as we begin our worship by singing his praises. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains, and the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous strains.
Good morning. On the second Sunday of Advent, today we light the candle of praise. Can you say it? Can you say it? <laughs> the spirit of Christmas is the spirit of praise. As long as human beings are able to draw breath, they will praise their God. True praise breathes the spirit of reverence and humility and faith. The Christmas story is filled with praise. Zechariah and Elizabeth, the Magi, the angels, the shepherds, and Mary. Praise is the most natural response when we contemplate the coming of the Christ child. (laughs) May our praise echo down the corridors of time and space as we join God's people through the ages singing. Oh, come let us adore him. second Sunday of Advent, we light this candle as a symbol of Christ, who above all is worthy of our highest praise. Please stand as we continue in worship together. What hope we hold this starlit night, our King is born in Bethlehem. Our journey along, we seek the light that leads to the hallowed major What fear we felt in silent age, four hundred years can he be found, but broken by
Gracious Father, we thank you for the coming of Christ. We thank you for what his coming means to us, to the world. And as we gather today to worship you, to celebrate his coming, we pray that you will help us to know you in our lives and in this worship. Be glorified in all that we do this day. We ask this through Jesus. Amen. Share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship today.
There are a few things in the bulletin that are coming up I want to highlight. Tonight is the service of baptism, and we're excited about those who are coming to be baptized tonight. And if you are able, we'd love to have you be here to witness that and to celebrate that special time for them. That'll be at 5 o'clock here in the sanctuary. Next Sunday evening at 5 also is our annual carol sing and Christmas cookie reception. And uh, we will, uh, it's time we come together, we sing carols with each other, uh, pick out our favorites, and then spend a little time uh, in the community room afterwards, uh, enjoying some fellowship together. And you'll also notice the Christmas Eve service schedule, service at 5 and at 7 o'clock. Uh, we actually uh, ran out of the recipe books for the fruit of the Spirit. We uh, had 100 and we, all those are gone. So I know that there are some people who didn't get one and would like one, and we're placing another order tomorrow. So if you're interested in getting one of those, uh, just make sure you contact us by noon tomorrow, and uh, we'll make sure we get you in the order for the next books. Uh, I, we have, we've had a couple of, of births uh, in the last week and a half or so, and I inadvertently uh, failed last week to mention the birth of Cora Saniseth on uh, the Friday the 29th. Uh, to Sully and Kristen and brothers Leighton, Carson, and Callan, and we celebrate with them. Uh, also, this week, this past Monday, December 2nd, Elizabeth Jacoby was born to Nate and Eileen, and we also celebrate with them. There are a lot of uh, things in the, in the bulletin to pray about. Uh, we do want to remember the family of uh, Houghton College student Marina Slavin, who died unexpectedly earlier this week. Uh, her funeral service will be uh, tomorrow in New Hampshire. And we want to remember this family uh, as well as others in our prayers as we gather today and throughout this week. One of the privileges we have as a, as a church body is to welcome uh, new members into the church. And we have some who are joining today in this service as well at 11 o'clock. And uh, those who are joining and those who are going to be introducing them, I want to ask you to come and stand here in the front, please. The members who are standing, uh, once are joining today, are, uh, have been through a membership class. They have, uh, they have shared their desire to, uh, to know Christ, that they have Christ as their Savior. Their desire to live for Christ all their lives, to bear witness to Him in their lives. Uh, they, have, um, they have shared with me, as well as uh, with others, their passion for Christ. And we are excited to have them joining our church today. They have uh, been approved by, uh, by unanimous vote of our elders, and uh, we are excited to welcome them into the fellowship of our church this morning. I've asked uh, one of the elders to, uh, to introduce them and uh, to give you a little bit more information about them. I'm going to start here at the end with Doug Maley, and uh, he'll introduce uh, a couple, uh, one couple, and then we'll move down the road so you have a little bit of an idea if you don't know these who are joining this morning. It's uh, my privilege this morning to introduce Kendra and Jason Stevens. Uh, they moved to, uh, to Houghton in July. Uh, Jason came as a residence director at Shanawana, and Kendra is an accountant who works remotely from home, and uh, what better place to work remotely from than Houghton, <laughs> New York. Um, 
They uh, are graduates of Indiana Wesleyan University. Kendra comes originally from the state of Montana and Jason from Indiana. Uh, and uh, they both accepted Christ as children and have been in a church and part of a church all of their lives. Jason grew up in the Church of the Nazarene and comes by transfer from Southdale Church of the Nazarene in Anderson, Indiana. Kendra says that her father, who was also her pastor, when he realized that she had left home for good, took her off the church rolls. <laughs> so uh, she, uh, she has an opportunity to rejoin, and that's, what she, and that's what she's going to do this morning. So they have a love for the Lord and the church. And we're happy to welcome them into membership here at Houghton Wesleyan Church. Good morning. Um, No doubt you uh, probably recognize um, Megan Stadelmeyer who's standing next to me. Um, Particularly if you have children who are involved in any of the programs in our church, I think she has has at least historically had her hand in in, in one um, uh, one another in the past. uh, Megan, or May as she prefers to be called, uh, grew up in Texas. She moved uh, to near Syracuse in 2003 with her family to the town of Canastota. And then she came to Houghton College in 2006 where she majored in biology and graduated in December of 2009. Um, since graduating, she's um, stuck around town working various jobs. Um, and uh, currently she works um, as a full-time EMT for our, our own ambulance service. Um, uh, further, she volunteers there. She's the president of the ambulance service and the captain, sorry, the president of the fire department, the captain of the ambulance service, and um, she's seemingly ever, ever busy. Um, in terms of volunteering at our church, I, I'm surprised that she's just now becoming a member because I, she's been around so much and done so much uh, for our church and our children's ministries. Um, she's worked from the nursery to even working with the the high school youth, um, and currently she um, works with um, the Boom Club on Wednesday nights, and, and I, I think she does other things, I'm sure, on Sunday mornings. So, um, so we're very happy to have, have May join us uh, as a member of the church, and um, I'm, I'm sure that you'll be happy getting to know her if, if you haven't already. My great privilege to... Welcome to our congregation and to the Houghton community, uh, Steve and Tammy Dunmire. Uh, Steve is a former Wesleyan pastor at North Collins. Um, these are four beautiful children, uh, Hannah and Matthew and uh, John. And those two are twins. And then this is Joshua, four biblical names and they're they're all going to be great people. Uh, Steve is the director of church relations at Houghton, and uh, Tammy works with uh, small group teens, and uh, they're wonderful, uh, capable people. Uh, we're uh, so glad to have them at the Houghton Church and in the community. Uh, we welcome them, and uh, uh, Steve likes chicken wings, just in case you'd like to know. And uh, Tammy's favorite food is tacos. So let's give them all a welcome. And... We're going to ask the members of the church to stand. And up on the screen, 
will be uh, just a, some words of affirmation that we want to share with these who are joining today. We, the members of this church, receive you to our communion and fellowship as beloved brothers and sisters and promise to walk with you in love, to instruct, counsel, admonish, and cherish you, and to watch over you with all patience, gentleness, and love. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being, for the creation of the church. We thank you for the blessing of Christian fellowship, for joining together in one body all who this day are becoming a part of this local church, this branch of Christ's body. We pray that you will grant to them the grace and strength that they will need to to live for you as their heart desires. We pray that you will bind all of our hearts together in your holy love, that we may help each other and that together we may share the gospel with the world for which Christ died. We pray, Father, for your grace upon them and upon us, that together we would bear witness to you in a world that desperately needs you. And we pray this through Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I'm going to, at the end of the service, I'm going to ask them to come back up front, and I want to encourage you to, uh, I want to encourage you to take a moment uh, to greet them, welcome them into the fellowship of our church. I'm going to ask the ushers to come and assist us as we give to God our tithes and our offerings. Jesus, the Savior. 
God's given us the privilege of praying, offering words of prayer to Him, listening to Him, speaking to us. As we offer our prayers together this morning, if you'd like to use the altar rails, the place where you pray today, please come and join me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the joy and the blessing of this season of the year. We thank you for all of the ways in which we celebrate the coming of Christ. Father, we know that in the midst of our celebration... There is much of real life that is a struggle and a burden. And we come before you today, even as we celebrate and express our gratitude for Christ's coming, we also offer to you our heartfelt prayers. Father, we pray that you will comfort us In our grief, we ask that you will heal all of our diseases. We pray that you will restore all that is broken. We pray for your grace to be present in every moment of our lives. We ask, Father, that your coming into the world through Christ would be more than just sentimentality. That it would be a true incarnation. We see Christ in human flesh. And that we welcome Christ into our lives, our hearts, and every part of our being. Father, we pray today for this world in which we live the struggles, the burdens, so much pain, hurt. We ask for your mercy. We pray, Father, that you will bless your children around the world, some of whom, many of whom, face hardship and persecution because they follow you. We pray that you would watch over them, protect them, Encourage them, strengthen them, and help them to know of our prayers, our love, our support. We pray, Father, for so many in the world who do not know you. Through your mercy, open their eyes to who you are and transform each of their lives. Father, we thank you for being present with us today. We pray that you will pour out your spirit as we continue in worship. As we continue to remember what the coming of Christ means. 
for us and for the world. And we pray all of this through Jesus, who comes into the world as a babe, who goes to the cross, who rises again in new life and is coming back for us. And the one who teaches us the model for prayer, which we now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Scripture reading this morning is from Matthew 2, and following the scripture reading, children ages 2 through 3rd grade can be dismissed for Children's Church and Junior Church. It's Matthew 2, it's page 956 in your pew Bible. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, and take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Jerusalem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, 
An angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea, in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets. He will be called a Nazarene. Please stand as we sing together. Jesus has been born. The angels have finished their song. The shepherds have gone back to their sheep. The magi have presented their gifts and 
made their way back east. We read this and we think this is just such a beautiful story. It, it, it fills us with uh, good feelings. It's, it's, it's a perfect kind of story of worship and, and love and joy. And, and if Matthew had just left it there, everything would be fine. But he doesn't. In the midst of this, of, our, of the singing, of the worship, of the joy, Matthew tells us this story about the little boys in Bethlehem. Quite frankly, it's one of those stories that I kind of wish wasn't in the scripture. It, it's, it's a story that is difficult to understand. It's, it's difficult to read. It's a story that, that gets interjected in a way that, that makes things so much more complicated. It's messy. It's, it feels out of place in the midst of all of this other positive stuff that we see here. As we celebrate God in flesh. And yet, here it is. And and rather than running from this story or ignoring it, we have to somehow engage it. Now, I think it's important for us to understand that this story is born out of evil. This is a story that is born out of the evil one at work in an an evil king. And and in many ways, Herod is, I could almost say, evil personified. He is a ruthless person. When he takes over the reign of Judea, one of the first things he does is to gather the 45 of the wealthiest men in Judea who have been supporters of the previous king and execute them and confiscate their property. A little ways into his reign, he is summoned to Rome and he's fearful about what the emperor is going to say to him or do to him. And so he leaves orders with his army that if he is sentenced to death, then they need to execute his wife. No, he's not sentenced to death, but it isn't very long after he returns that in a a rage, he orders her execution anyway. And throughout his reign, he he orders the murder of his 18-year-old brother-in-law, his wife's 80-year-old grandfather, who had saved his life years before, his mother-in-law, and two of his own sons. It's no wonder that the Emperor Augustus said that he... It'd be better off to be Herod's pig than to be Herod's relative. I mean, this is a ruthless man. And when the Magi come to Jerusalem and they begin inquiring about this new king, they have no idea that they have poked 
this insanely jealous bear. And his response, his anger, his fury is to order the execution of the boys in Bethlehem. It's difficult to imagine what the mothers and fathers of these boys are feeling. They don't understand what's happening here. They have, you know, they don't live in a world of of kings and 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 the the way that, that kings work. They're just trying to live their lives. And here come soldiers that destroy their lives. It's, it's hard for us to grasp what they must be feeling. But, and it makes no sense. But often that's the way the evil one operates. He is trying to inflict as much pain as possible on whatever God loves. And particularly God's creatures. And his goal is to hurt us. His goal is to cause pain to us. And in the process of that, to make God look as bad as possible. And in this case, it's about these little children. It makes no sense. We can't explain it. You know, we, we look back to, to Job and the questions that Job asked about what's happening in his life. And there's really no explanation. And these people must be asking those same questions. Why? What's the point? What happened? What's going on? Why? And all of it is because the evil one is trying to inflict pain upon God and upon his people. And more often than not, it is children, the most vulnerable, the most innocent, who are the objects of the wrath of the evil one. Some of us know the, the great pain that, that comes with what our children experience or what we experience because of children. You know, it's a, it's a principle of life that older people die before younger people. And we all know in the back of our minds that eventually we're all going to die. That's just the reality of existence. And, and we, all, we all have this in our minds that the pattern of that is that older people before younger people, grandparents before parents and parents before children. And when that is turned upside down, it is agonizing. It's hard for us to handle and to deal with. And yet, some of us know the pain of that. Some of you know the pain of of the death of a child and the agony of that and the hurt that you never get over. I suspect every day there are questions and there are thoughts, however that may have happened. And it seems to me that maybe at this time of year there is a, a heightened sense of pain as we move into the holidays and, and often it's about family And there is that ache and the questions. 
Maybe for, for some of you, it's not, it's not about the death of a child. Maybe it's about the child that was never born. And the agony of not being able to have children. And the pain of that. And again, at the holiday time, when people are celebrating with their families, it makes the ache that much more. And, and maybe it's, it's not about children but maybe it's about the loss of a childhood. Maybe when you think about the holidays, it's, it's not positive emotion. It's negative emotion. It, it's the pain of growing up in an environment where maybe there was abandonment or neglect or abuse or worse. Things you don't really want to talk about. And as, as you look at families who are celebrating and seem to be perfect and they ache in your spirit about what your childhood wasn't. And if it's none of those things, we all can sense the pain of the world and children all throughout the world and people throughout the world who live in such difficult circumstances. Children that are, are orphaned because of disease or war. Children that, have, that are dying because they have no food, or water, or shelter, basic necessities of life. Children who have been conscripted into armies and do unspeakable things for greedy, power-hungry men. It seems like it often comes back to children. But even if it's not about children, maybe it's just about the pain of, uh, that you're feeling in your heart, about things that are happening in your life or not happening in your life. We all feel at times a sense of pain and ache and agony, and we have questions about why. And, and this story brings us face to face with those. And I'm convinced that's one of the reasons why this story is here. This story that feels at times out of place. It's why it's here in the middle of this glorious celebration of the coming of the Christ child. Because the reality is we live in a world of real stuff. And our faith is about real stuff. And God is present in it. Becoming a Christian, being a follower of Christ, is not running from reality. It is engaging our lives with it. There are some, some religions of the world where the goal is to escape reality. It is to escape Truth. It is to escape whatever is real and to live in sort of this fantasy world and to act as though none of this stuff is really happening. That's not our faith. Our faith is acknowledging life is difficult and stuff happens that we can't explain and we don't understand. And we live with pains and hurts and aches and we will continue to live with them until the day that God brings in his kingdom. And our faith speaks into that. 
And we often don't get answers to our questions. And it's hard. But there is no sense of denying reality. This is one of the stories that that causes me to believe in in the reliability of the scriptures. Because quite frankly, this is a story that could easily make us think, God, what are you doing? And we start questioning God and even judging God. Because in this story, Jesus escapes. And the other little boys don't. And quite frankly, you could make a case for it really doesn't, it makes God look bad. And yet here it is. And I think part of it is because we need to be reminded that life is real. And God is about being in the realness of life. You know, as I pondered this story and, and wondered about why it's here, my initial assumption always was that, well, everybody knows about it anyway, so it would look strange to omit it. It would look as though you're trying to hide something that happened if you leave it out. And then I realized, discovered that actually this story is not mentioned. No one's been able to find this story anywhere else in historical documents. It's only here. And then you wonder, so then why include it? And quite frankly, scholars tend to say, well, I mean, Bethlehem's not a very big town. And by this time, uh, all the people who had come there to town when Jesus was born, it's probably been, could be up to two years later, have gone back to their homes and some have stayed. And, and maybe there are estimates of maybe 20 or so children that are affected by this edict. And in the big picture of all of the, the heinous things that Herod does, a few children of some peasant out-of-the-way people in an out-of-the-way place doesn't get a lot of press. They're forgotten. And maybe the reason Matthew includes the story at the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is so that people know God doesn't forget. God doesn't forget our pain. God doesn't forget the, the evil in the world that, that hurts us. And God wants us to know that. As the Holy Spirit is inspiring Matthew to write his story, and he says, all right, I want you to you know, talk about the genealogy And talk about how the angel comes to Joseph. And talk about the magi coming. And don't forget those little boys. Don't forget them because I haven't forgotten them. And I will never forget them. And all of the things that we experience in this life. All of the pain and the heartache and the agony. God doesn't forget The world may forget it. And we may feel at times that that no one remembers what we're going through. But God does. He knows our pain. And someday, one day, God will will hold all of those who, who do these evil things, he will hold them accountable.
You come to Revelation 16, 17, 18. Talks about Babylon, which is sort of the, the symbol of evil in the world. And God says, Babylon will drink the cup of my fury. I will hold them accountable. I remember. And the God who remembers is this God who knows our pain and steps into our pain in order to heal our pain. God doesn't run from the difficulties of life. God doesn't say, man, this world has got a lot of bad stuff going on. I'm going to stay away from that. This very God who says, I know your pain, is actually the one who enters into our pain. And he takes on human flesh. John says, the word became flesh. And all of the pain that we encounter is he encounters. And he not only knows our pain, but he engages in our pain. And he feels our pain. And he actually endures pain. And people say, well, you know, he escaped the pain here. He escaped, the de- he escaped death while these children died. The only reason Jesus escapes this death is to voluntarily go to his own death for all of us. To do something about the pain. See, Christ, these, these little boys don't die because Jesus is born. Jesus is born because evil that would murder little children needs to be addressed and healed and conquered. And Jesus comes to do just that. Sometimes we think we're more compassionate about the pain of the world than God is. We question God and we judge God. And we say, God, are you, do you not care? Are you not doing anything? And, and we feel like we care more about it than he does. But all you have to do is read the scriptures and you see God is much more concerned about evil than any of us are. God is much more concerned about pain than we are. That's why you have all of these admonitions and and laws even in the Old Testament about how you treat the most vulnerable people. In fact, one one of the things that keeps coming back, God keeps coming back to in condemning Israel and holding them accountable is their unconcern about injustice. They don't care about widows and orphans. They don't care about aliens and strangers. In fact, they take advantage of them. They add to the pain. And God condemns them for it. His heart, as much as our hearts are broken about the pain we experience and the pain of the world, God's is even more. And God enters into our pain so fully that eventually it means going to a cross. And taking upon himself all of the pain of the world. N.T. Wright says that in his book about the Lord's Prayer, when he comes to that phrase that we, we pray, deliver us from evil. He says Jesus is the one 
who was not delivered from evil. Jesus allowed evil to be put upon him so that we might be delivered from it. And to give us hope in the midst of our pain and our agony and our struggles. That's why Matthew turns back to Jeremiah. And he quotes Jeremiah 31.15 about, about Rachel weeping for her children. This is a word to the people who are in exile. The sons and daughters have been taken into exile. They've been taken away. And the, and the people left in Jerusalem are weeping for what has happened. And then in verse 16, Jeremiah says, but your children will come home. There is still hope because God will bring your children home. And Isaiah the prophet says in his in his, part of the, his word about the Messiah to come, he says, I will go to the nations and they will... They will carry your sons to you and they will bring your daughters to you on their shoulders and I will restore all that was lost. And that's our hope. In the midst of our pain, Christ comes to give us hope. Sometimes it's hard to feel that. Sometimes it's hard to see that. Sometimes it's hard to to really grasp it. But that's why Jesus is born. He says in Luke chapter 4 that he comes to heal the brokenhearted. To bind up our wounds to set the captives free. And that's why in the midst of our pain and our grief, we have hope. Because this little baby born in Bethlehem is born to go to the cross, to take our pain upon him, and to heal us. As I was thinking about that and pondering it, I thought back to to something that the poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow said. He lived back in the days of the Civil War. and In 1863, his son, who had gone in to serve in the Union Army, had been severely wounded. And in that same year, his wife died in an accidental fire. And he was just filled with grief. And on that Christmas of 1863, in that morning, he heard the bells of the church ringing. And something began to stir in him as he thought about all that was going on in the nation in the middle of this war and all the death and misery and pain and then his own personal pain. And listening to those bells ring, he wrote down this poem. I heard the bells on Christmas Day Their old familiar carols play and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. I thought how as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. 
And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth. Goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. Gracious Father, there's all kinds of stuff that we encounter. Brings pain to us. Help us today to know that you understand our pain because you experienced it. That you are with us and that through Christ you are working your healing in each of us. Father, today, help us to see the hope that is ours in Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen. Please stand and sing with us. I heard the bells on Christmas Day.
May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.